All right, guys, we're going to be looking at, uh, we're in the, been in the series on prayer, and uh, we're going to continue um, in prayer today uh, on the study of prayer. Let me just kind of tell you where we're going. We're going to start in the old, and we're going to end up in the new, and we're going to start out talking about prayer, and we're going to end up praying, okay? Um, and so, if you didn't get a copy of Sermon Notes, just raise your hand. We'll make sure that one of our deacons, one of our nice, kind deacons, uh, ushers, will bring you a copy. While they're passing that out, again, men, listen up. It says, on, the, on her 40th birthday, a wife waltzed out, into the, out of the bedroom dressed in an old outfit that she dug out of the back of the closet. She says to her husband, I wore this on my 30th birthday. I guess that means my wardrobe is 10 years old. She said to her husband, hoping that he'd take the hint and buy her some new clothes. Or he offered instead... It means that when you were 30, you had the body of a 40-year-old. Uh, he's expected to be discharged from the hospital next week, but he'll always walk with a limp. All right, let's go. Um, a little background here. The children of Israel, are, they come out of Egypt, and they're in that desert land. And as soon as they get into the desert, this is what happens. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, now listen to this, Choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua fought with the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held up his hands, um, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites, uh, the Amalekite army with the sword. Now we remember uh, the... Um, the Amalekites. So we remember this story. This, uh, you know, this is one of those stories where over and over it's repeated in the scripture. And as we talk about it, it'll, you'll, you'll remember you know, these stories. But I tell you what, once you make God mad, it seems like he is mad. And the Amalekites came out and tried to thwart the work of God. God is bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt with his plan, I'm going to make you a nation, a holy nation. I'm going to send you into the promised land, the land of milk and honey. And out of that, I'm going to make you a great people. You're going to be a people, a representative people to the world. And I want the world to look at you and uh, be like you. I want they, them to, you know, honor your laws and or honor the laws that I give you and the government that I give you. And eventually out of this group of people in that promised land, God would bring the Messiah. And so the Amalekites, much like Satan tries to hinder us today, went out in an attempt to stop Israel from coming into the promised land. And so when that happened, they put them on the wrong side of God. And believe me, you don't want to be on the wrong side of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 25, it says, Remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way. When you came out of Egypt, when you were weary and worn out, they met you on your journey, cut off all who were lagging behind, and they had no fear of God. 
when the Lord your God gives you the rest from all your enemies around the land that he's giving you to possess as an inheritance, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Do not forget it, the Lord says in Deuteronomy chapter 5, 25, verse 17. And then you'll remember, you know, a couple of hundred years removed, uh, Israel gets their first king, King Saul. Um, uh, Samuel the prophet gives him instructions, telling him to go up, utterly wipe out the Amalekites, and he goes and does part of the job. But he doesn't put all of them to death. In First uh, Samuel chapter 15, it says the Lord, Samuel's uh, you know, talking to the king, and he says, the Lord anointed you to be king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy these wicked people, the Amalekites, make war on them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? And so you see how important it was to God, and then God, or then uh, uh, Saul ends up losing uh, his position on the throne. David was raised up as the man after God's own heart that would be fully obedient to all that, uh, that God wanted him to do. So last week we talked about, um, we talked about prayer. We started this series on prayer. And we talked about why we don't pray. We talked about complacency and unbelief. And we talked about disappointment or discouragement when we do pray. And we talked about all the reasons that we should pray. The sovereignty of God and the immutability that God does not change. His, uh, his character doesn't change, but sometimes God changes his mind. And we saw a couple of examples of that where God wanted to wipe out the children of Israel. And Moses and Aaron stand in between the living and the dead as an intercessor. Uh, crying out to God for God to spare the people. Um, and we also are, are told to pray because God tells us to pray because God answers prayer. Jesus said to his disciples in uh, John chapter 14, 15, and 16, just kind of sandwiched in there between the washing of the feet and Jesus going into the garden. Three times he says in there, you've not asked anything in my name before, but I'm telling you right now, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So asking in Jesus' name, praying in Jesus' name. So I want to quickly move through this. There, there are three things about prayer that I want us to see today. That prayer, when we're praying, what prayer is, it's an expression of humility. We get that from 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, that famous passage of Scripture. Notice what the, the Scripture says in verse 13. He says, when, and it's God speaking, he says, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain. We certainly can relate to that here in New Mexico, can't we? I mean, we've been in this cycle of drought and lack of rain for a number of years. I think that in our minds, we've just kind of grown to accept that. That's just the way it is. It's weather patterns. We blame it on El Nino or La Nina. We blame it on, you know, everything, ozones, everything else. But God has power over all of those things, and he can give us rain if we ask for rain. In fact, in Zechariah chapter 10, we've talked about this over and over throughout the summer. Um, Chapter 10, verse 1, the Lord says, ask the Lord for rain in the season of rain. Just because we're going through the monsoon season, we don't want to think that we can stop praying. God's saying, especially in those times when we're supposed to get rain and the summer rain and the autumn rain, to ask the Lord for rain. We should do that and even today. But he says that uh, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, and the reason that he does that is because the people had sinned against him and he turned his back toward them until they repent, and then God would relent and pour out the blessings on his people again. Or command the locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people. And then he says this very famous passage of scripture that we use 
on a regular basis, especially around election time, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. So prayer is an expression of humility. If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and I will heal their land. So God just simply saying, I don't care how far you've gone, how far you've run from me, how, you know, how far away you are from me, if you humble yourself and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked way, God's not talking to the heathen, he's not talking to the unbeliever, he's talking to Christians. In this particular case, he was talking to the Jewish believers, but it applies to us today. That if we will seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, then he will hear from heaven, forgive our sins, and bring healing to our land. Now, I want to just tell you that, in case you don't know it, our land needs healing. Our nation needs healing. And so prayer is, uh, you know, prayer is a, an expression of our humility. It's, it's an expression of our need. Uh, we're simply just saying, God, I can't do this by myself. I can't, you know, get through this by myself. I can't, I don't have the strength or the power to get through, you know, this job by myself or this relationship by myself. I can't do it. It's not working. And God, like Moses, I'm lifting my hands up saying, God, I need you to do something. I want you to do something, Lord. And in humility, I come and recognize that, you know, his power is greater than my power. And I'm relying on God as the source of my strength. The second point is that prayer is an expression of our faith. Um, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, that without faith it's impossible to please him, to please God. For he who comes to God, or he who comes to God, must believe, number one, that he is, and number two, that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So not only is pray, prayer a, a, an expression of our, our humility, but it's an expression of our faith. Number three, prayer is an expression of our love. And, you know, guys, I don't know if you guys can remember this. I'm, I'm sure you can. Girls, you can remember this as well. That, uh, you know, those, those dates in high school and with your, your wife, uh, you know, it starts out with phone calls and, and uh, the constant phone calls, you know. And then you hang up and you call back. You know, it's like, hey, hey. What are you doing now? I don't know. What are you doing now? It's just like you just want to be in touch. And that's the way our relationship with God should be. But not just to talk, you know, to be with one another, to hold hands and, and kiss and love and hug and all of those good things. Right, honey? <laughs> Listen to what David said in the Psalms. He said, oh, God. But you can, you can, you can, when you read this, this thing just resonates with passion. He says, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In the dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary. I beheld your power and your glory. Behold, or because, your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. And that's what Moses was doing. This is back to our story about Joshua. Now just think about it. I mean, it's the, it, it, it's the same day for both armies. You know, they've got the same number of people. Both sides have the same number. they got the same swords. Both of them have got the same swords. 
I mean, it's the same temperature outside. It's the same topography outside. Nothing has changed except when Moses lifts up his hands, Israel prevails. He's lifting up his hands in prayer. and He said, God, help Joshua. Help Joshua. Help him win. Help us win, God. Defeat the enemy. And this is what intercession is all about. We're talking about intercession. We're talking about prayer. Now, notice three things about this prayer. Uh, that Moses needed help in prayer. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other. And I want to tell you that there comes a time in your life, you know, where you need someone to stand by your side like Aaron and Hur and hold up your hands and join with you a prayer partner that, you know, you just don't seem to be making the penetration that you need to. The enemy just keeps coming and coming and, and, and you know, they are opposed to you. And it's like, you can't do it by yourself. You need some prayer partners. We have people that constantly call the church. And, you know, Candy will stop. I mean, one day, I'm, 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 I'm thinking, I'm, I'm telling everybody this story. She's got a cell phone in one ear. It's got the hand, the real phone, the landline in the other ear. She's trying to talk to me and talking to the person that's coming in the door. It's like all four things are going on at the same time. But I promise you, if somebody calls and needs prayer, just like everything is shut down, it's like we're going to stop and pray for you. And that's why you fill out these prayer request cards every Sunday because you want someone to join in prayer with you that you face, you're facing a mountain, you're facing a giant, and you need some help in your prayer. And we all do from time to time we need help in our prayer now listen to uh, what john says in john chapter 14 he says i tell you the truth anyone who has faith in me will do whatever i've been doing he will do even greater things than these because i'm going to the father and jesus is saying it's not going to happen right now while i'm here but i've got to go to the father and i will do whatever you ask in my name so that the son listen to this so that the son may bring glory to the father you may ask me of anything or for anything in my name and i will do it now notice that what he says for the glory of the father now i've been there and you've been there god you know how desperately we need that 50 inch LED plasma. Oh God, you know how we need that. You know, is that for the glory of the Father? Well, it could be. It might be. But I want to tell you, um, and I know I'm talking about the 50 inch. Some of you guys are thinking about the game, and I promise you, I will get you out before the game starts. It's six o'clock on Sunday night, isn't it? Okay. All right. All right, just so we're tracking here. All right, so anyway, you know, if we pray according to His will, if we pray according to His will for the glory of God, and defeating the Amalekites was going to be for the glory of God, so Moses knew that what he was praying for, God would answer that because it would bring him glory. We read in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, this is the confidence that we have. We can go to God and be assured that because we're praying according to God's will, if we have, uh, when, uh, in approaching God, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of Him, that God's going to grant this prayer request. You know, praying for someone's soul, someone's salvation. We talked about this last week, that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That's the heart of God. God says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And so 
when we come to God praying for salvation, praying for uh, God's kingdom come, uh, thy will be done, when we pray like that, we know that we're praying according to God's will. And yes, God does care about you. He does care about your finances and your houses and what you eat and what you drink. He's concerned about that. But many times we make that our priority. We put that on the front and all these other things we kind of put on the, on the back burner. So uh, the first thing we notice that Moses needed help. He needed help in his prayer. And then we notice, um, the, in, and I'm just, you can just read James 4, 2, and 3, when we ask for things that you know, are about us, that our motives are wrong, and God doesn't answer those kind of prayers. But the, notice the next thing is the length of the prayer. It says, Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. He started at sunrise, and he ends this at sunset. Now, I know that, you know, uh, our, our worship team is constantly trying to get you to raise your hands, and sometimes you do that, and sometimes you don't. And, you know, raising your hands doesn't necessarily mean that you're worshiping. I mean, you know, it could mean you're under arrest, or, you know, this is a holdup. Um, but um, they're constantly, uh, that we, we constantly try to engage people into worshiping the Lord. But can you imagine that sometimes, for those of you that do raise your hands, after holding your hands up for even five minutes, it gets to be, you know, you start getting a little, little tired. Uh, but can you imagine 12 hours of holding your hands up and, and, and just looking and watching? See, Joshua, he, he can't see any of this. He's down there. He's engaged in the battle. But Moses can see that when his hands go down, you know, the, the tide of the Amalekites is pushing Israel back. But when he holds his hands up, the tide of Israel starts pushing the Amalekites back. And so there's this intensity, uh, you know, this, you know, I'm bearing down. Lord, I, I can see that something is happening. I can see something is happening. It's much like jo or Elijah telling his servant, you know, when Elijah's on his face and he's praying for rain, he says, go over there and look and tell me if you see a cloud. And the guy comes back and he says, no, no cloud, no cloud yet. And, and Elijah's, it's like, dude, are you sure? I can see it. I can see this cloud. Go take another look. And he goes back and he comes back. Well, he goes, goes back and forth about seven times. And finally on the seventh time, and I believe that Elijah in his mind, I can see this thing. I can see this cloud there. It's there. Just go tell me that you see it and bring me the word back. And finally he comes back and said, well, there's a, a little cloud, just a little bitty cloud up there in the sky. And Elijah's like, that's it, that's it, that's enough. Get ready, the rain's coming. And I believe that that's what was happening here. Moses is lifting up his hands and, and you know, there's a tide of God moving uh, for Israel and helping them to prevail. And I want to just tell you that I believe that when we are intent in our prayer and we're focusing on our prayer, that God is at work. But when we stop praying, it's almost like, you know, God stops. We pray, God works. We stop, God stops. The third thing that we see here is the uh, intensity of prayer. Now, we know what kind of, uh, well, let me back up. I want to read the scripture out of Isaiah chapter 62. And we talk about the, imp the importance. We read Luke uh, 18 last week, Luke 18.1, where he says that, that men are, he, he's talking about the woman and the unjust judge. And he says that, you know, isn't the judge going to listen to this woman? She's crying to me day and night. I, you know, she is on my heels day and night. And another scripture that's similar to that is Isaiah 62, uh, talking about the intensity or the length of this prayer. 
He says, I have posted watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem, or O church. And they will never, these watchmen will never be silent, day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest. Listen to the next part. And give Him, God, no rest until He establishes. Give Him, give yourselves no rest and give God no rest until there's a breakthrough in uh, your situation. I know that many of you are going through something right now and it's kind of like, you know, Moses could have gone up there and just said, Oh God, bless Joshua, help him win, amen, goodbye. You know, but Moses is bearing down, and that's the way that we need to be. We need to be just like bearing down with this intensity of prayer. And then we know how Moses prayed, and we know that he was intense because of this prayer that he prayed in Exodus 32. When he comes down from the mountain, the children of Israel have already made this golden calf, and God's saying, I am going to wipe them off the face of the earth. And notice what uh, Moses says then. He says, Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now please forgive their sin. But then he says, now notice this. He says, but God, if you don't, if you won't, if you won't forgive those sins and you're going to wipe them out, then wipe me out too. Do you pray that way? I mean, are you, pray, are you so just like intently in prayer saying, God, if you don't save them, there's no point in me living. That's what Paul said. He said, for me to live is Christ, to advance the kingdom of God, and to, and to die is gain. Do you have that kind of intensity in your prayer? You know, where you're, you're just, God, I, you know, I am living to see this individual or these people or my family members or this city or this nation. This is why I'm living, God. I'm living to intercede and to plead with you on behalf of this nation or my son or my daughter or my wife or my family. We all on the same page here this morning? All right, all right. All right, I want to. I want to just kind of. I want to bring this to an end, okay? And I got a couple more scriptures to do this with. In First Timothy, in chapter two. Now, you got to get this because Paul is writing to Timothy. This is uh, one of his converts. Uh, you know, early on in uh, Paul's ministry, young man that just was with Paul, and Paul leaves him at Ephesus, and Paul goes on to Macedonia, but he's writing to him. And in the book of Timothy, it gives him all kind of instructions. You know, the government of the church talks about qualifications for elders and for uh, deacons and, you know, how husbands should love their wives and honor their wives and how wives should live and what they should teach and shouldn't teach and false doctrine. All of this stuff is in those two um, epistles, First and Second Timothy. But notice what he says after the introduction of chapter 1, he gets to chapter 2. And in chapter 2, he says, I urge them, first of all, the very first priority of business, before the reading of the Word, before worship, the first thing that I want you to do when you come together as an assembly, he says, that request and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for everyone. All of those words kind of run together. They all seem very similar. Um, request, supplication is another word that would be used. That word would be translated in, in the Gospel of Luke when Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, and he says, uh, which of you having a son that would ask you for a bread or for fish or an egg would give him a stone or a scorpion or a serpent? 
That's supplication. That's a request. And then prayers were general, general prayers and intercession. And this is the one I really want to focus on this morning. Uh, he talks about request, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving. Be made for everyone. Listen to this. For kings and all of those that are in authority, that we may live peaceful, quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and it pleases God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. Now look, let's just break that down. Paul is saying that I want you to pray for all men. And think about who was leading, you know, who was the emperor of Rome at this time. He's talking about Nero. I mean, Nero's burning Christians. He's throwing them into the Colosseums, into the lion's den. And Paul is saying, I want you to pray for kings and all that are in authority. And, you know, I have to tell you that, you know, in confession, I have prayed for our kings and those that are, that are in authority. But I'm not going to tell you how, what those prayers sounded like. Because you might think less of me. And so, um, but anyway, you know, he says... I want you to pray for kings. And I want you to pray for godly kings because if you have godly kings, then you will have godly government. And if you have godly government, you will have peace in that government. And if you have peace in that government, then you'll be able to do what I've asked you to do. That's to go out and tell the world about Jesus. There are many countries today, many nations today, that you can't talk about Jesus. I mean, if you've got, you show up and you're talking about Jesus, either your house is going to be burned or your church is going to be burned. But God is saying that in order for the gospel to be spread and for lives to be saved, for men and women and souls to be saved, he said, you've got to have godly kings, righteous, when righteousness, uh, when the godly... Um, all right, I'm, I'm quoting two different scriptures, two different ways. Uh, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. And, and, and the scripture says that righteousness exalts a nation. That's what we want. Well, I'm going to tell you what, our nation is not there right now. And we want to pray for godly leaders and godly government. So that he goes on, he says that when you have that, he says that you can live in peace uh, live quiet, peaceful lives in godliness and holiness. This is good and it pleases God the Savior, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And having that order um, paves the way, makes the way for that. Now, I'm going to talk about this word intercessor just in, the, in my closing comments here. And I want to give you two examples, uh, well, a couple of examples, one from the Old Testament and then one from, uh, well, a couple from the Old and, and a couple from the New. But I think it's important for us to understand this word, the word intercessor. And it's used 40 times in the Old Testament, and only two or three of those times it actually means a person that's interceding on behalf of another. Listen to this. Uh, and when Joshua's dividing up the land, in both Joshua 17 and in Joshua 19, um, and he's talking about where the lands are divided. And the coast descended into the river Cana, southward of the river. These cities of Ephraim are among the cities of Manasseh. The coast of uh, Manasseh also was on the north side of the river. And the outgoings of it were to the sea. Southward it was Ephraim's, and northward it was Manasseh. And the sea is his border, and they met together. Now, that word right there that I think I have either highlighted or bold or underlined in your sermon notes, 
and they met together is the same word for intercession or intercessor. They met together in Asher on the north and Issachar on the east. And if you look at your Strong's note there, the word is pagah. It means to encounter, to meet, to reach, to entreat, to make intercession. It's used as an intercessor in Isaiah 53, the famous messianic uh, scripture, passage of scripture there about the Messiah. Therefore, I will give him, talking about Jesus, the Messiah, a portion among the great and will divide the spoils with the strong because he has poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, talking about the two thieves on the cross, and he bore the sins of many and made intercessions for transgressors. And then we flash forward to the uh, New Testament in Romans chapter 8. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us or for us with groans and words that cannot be expressed. Sometimes we don't know how to pray, and sometimes we don't know what to pray. And that is when the Holy Spirit just kind of wells up within us, and we start saying things, and you will say something, and you'll think, man, where did that come from? You know, that, I, I wasn't even aware of that. It's like you, you're saying something, and you're like, you want to start applauding yourself. Man, that was good. That was, good. That was a good word. We see that word again that in Hebrews chapter 7. It says, therefore... Be able, therefore he is able, speaking about Jesus, to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. And so let me tell you the way this works, guys. That another word for that, uh, it, where we talked about those rivers of those, of those points coming together, is we, we call it um, intercession, but there's a, a word that we use on a regular basis called uh, intersection where two points come together. And the way that this works, okay, this intercession, this intersection, uh, you're thinking about somebody. You're thinking about, you know, your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or your wife or, or even your children. And, and you're thinking, I, I, this is how I want to pray. And I'm just going to show you how this works. So you've got this burden on your heart. And you're praying for your son. Let's say your son's name is John. And you're, you, you come, like Jesus said when he was telling the disciples how to pray, uh, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You come giving God praise. You come giving God glory. God, I know that you're able. You're merciful. You are mighty God today. I bless you. I praise you, God. You, you are you know, merciful, Lord. You are quick to forgive. God, I bless you, and Lord, I'm bringing John to you. I bring John to you. You know that, Lord, that he is hanging with the wrong crowd. He is bound by drugs or alcohol. He is bound by the enemy. You know that uh, he is with the wrong crowd, and I'm asking you, Lord God, that you would change his uh, friends, that you would give him godly friends and and uh, uh, surround him with your presence and your peace. And, and you're just praying, God, God, I'm asking you for John. And Lord, I'm praying for John that, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to him. Make yourself known to him. Lord, forgive his sins. And you're, you're, you're trying to bring them to a, an intersection. You're trying to bring the two of them to a place where they meet. And that's what intercession is. You know, we, we, we talk about, you know, intercession as being a prayer, but prayer, there is not a, uh, intercession is not necessarily a prayer. 
You can pray a prayer of intercession, but intercession is not necessarily a prayer, just like you can, that faith is not a prayer. You can pray a prayer of faith, but faith is not a prayer. But intercession is like that, you know, where you're just, you know, you are burdened. I mean, just like Moses looking down, God, you have got to help Joshua, and you've got to help him today right now. Lord, you see the enemy prevailing in his life right now. Lord, push the enemy back. You guys with me on this? You understand what I'm talking about? All right, I'm going to make intercessors out of you. Amen. All right, listen up. I want you to close your eyes and just kind of listen to this story for just a second, okay? And then we're going to wrap it up, and we're going to pray. After World War II, the United States allocated funds for orphanages in Europe. At one of those orphanages, a very old man brought in a very young girl with him. And he said that he would like for the orphanage to take care. He says, would, I would like for you to take care of my little girl. And they asked him if the, the little girl was his daughter, and he said yes. And they said, we are so sorry but our rules and our policies are such that we cannot take any children if one of the parents is still living. And he said, I've been in a prison camp. And I'm old and I'm sick and I can't work and I'm afraid that she will die. And they said, we're sorry. They felt his compassion, but their hands were tied because of rules and policy and there was nothing that they could do. And the man said to them, he said, that you mean that if I was dead, that my daughter could have a house to stay in, and food to eat, and people that would love her and take care of her? And the man behind the desk said, yes, sir. And with that, he picked up the little girl, and hugged her, and kissed her, and put her hand in the hand of the man behind the desk. And he said, I will arrange it. And he walked out and hung himself. Now I tell you that story because some thousands and thousands of years ago, Jesus was sitting with the Father and he says, Father, do you mean to tell me that if I give my life for those people, that they can have a place in heaven, a place where you are, where you will love them and protect them and care for them, and they can stay with you forever? And God the Father says, yes. And Jesus walked out of heaven and he put our hand in the Father's hand, and he hung on the cross. Now, I know there's some of you that are here this morning, and maybe you've never done this. Maybe you've never really received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and I'm going to give you that opportunity. And you can just say in the quietness and the stillness of your heart, Lord, I've made a mess of my life. And I'm asking you, Father, that you would forgive me my sins. I thank you for the work that Jesus has done for me, for him dying for my sins on Calvary's cross. He gave his life for me. I want to receive him as my Lord and Savior today. I want my name to be written in the Lamb's book of life. 
I tell you that if you prayed that prayer, God took heaven's pen and wrote your name.